Welcome to Get Found, Get Funded, a podcast all about creating visibility, paths for growth, and opportunity for entrepreneurs. We focus on those entrepreneurs who are statistically underrepresented in the startup ecosystem. Your hosts are Zena Island, president of X Plus PR, a media relations agency, angel investor Aurelia Flores, managing member of Athena Digital Media Group, a digital marketing agency, and angel investor Christina Francis, president of Esteem Logic, an information technology consulting and training firm. In each episode, you will meet a new startup founder, hear about their company and where they are now. We then focus on one key challenge facing that entrepreneur, a challenge that is common among startups. Each episode also features a guest expert to weigh in on the challenge. Welcome to Get Found, Get Funded. Welcome, welcome to another episode of Get Found, Get Funded. And this is your co-host, Zena Island. And today we have Sharifa Murdoch, a founding partner at Liberty Fairs, who concentrates on bringing new brands to life through the industry's most sought-after men's and women's fashion showcase. Sharifa's roots in retail and fashion began as a teenager when she landed her first job at Atrium, a retailer owned by her mentor and now business partner, Sam Ben Abraham. She went on to form Project Trade Show with Sam, which they later sold. Sharifa is known for her strong grasp of industry trends and emerging brands. An avid lover and learner of fashion from day one, Sharifa earned her degree in fashion merchandising and buying from Wood Toby Coburn and has worked for some of the most prestigious international fashion houses such as Louis Vuitton, Donna Caron, and Michael Kors. Additionally, she founded the Brooklyn Intern, an organization that works closely with high school students to give them the opportunity to experience exclusive internships in the fashion industry. Sharifa is also on the board of directors for the 14 Plus Foundation, an in initiative to construct schools in Africa. Most recently, she has worked with African Health Now, Petals in Bells. Sharifa's work and personal style have been featured in the top media outlets such as Glamour.com, L, Essence, Redbook, and InStyle. When she's not traveling the globe, sourcing the next generation of fashion brands, Sharifa resides in Brooklyn with her husband, Chef Layton Murdoch, and happily draws inspiration from everyone and everything around her. The topic for today, which I forgot to mention earlier, is funding the runway. And we are getting so many requests from women who are in tech, um, especially who are doing fashion tech. And so we wanted to bring Sharifa onto the show to have a discussion about it, about her background, and how she got into fashion. So Sharifa, welcome to the show. We are so excited to have you. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here, actually. <laughs> Great. So um, we are thrilled to discuss this topic with you. First, let's first tell us a little bit more about your journey into the fashion world. You enter it early as a teenager. Was it always your dream to be in the fashion industry? If so, how um, does your dream differ from at all is from the reality? Well, no, I definitely always wanted to be in fashion. I was a girl who was I was basically a typical girly girl. I love getting dressed. I love shopping. That was the thing for me. So I always knew that I was going to be in fashion. 
Um, how I started was in retail. Like that was my first, first job within the fashion industry. I thought it was probably the best time of my life because I got to meet so many amazing people and connect with people that you now see as adults. You know, back then we were teenagers, but now you see them as adults and they're doing things and now you can connect with them on different levels, which I always find to be like such a, uh, like I'm going to say prolific like thing because I want, I always want to see how people grow. Like that's my kind of thing is to see the growth within people. So it's very interesting. Um, when I first started, it was just a simple retail job. And, you know, of course, as a teenager, you don't think you don't take things seriously. And as a teenager, you also don't think so much about your future. But who was to say that, you know, my past would bring me to where I am today? So has it does it has this dream differ from the reality at all? Can you talk a little bit more about that? Um, it well, in yes, it, it kind of does because what we what people's perception of fashion is. Whenever you intern somewhere, you think you see fashion from the outside, and it's like it's glitz, it's glam, it's beauty. But when you really have to do the work, it's like real work. You're like running around, getting samples. You're running around doing the things that you may not want to do, but I think the end goal is always, like, promising. So, yes, I definitely think it differs. You know, I have to agree with you. People see the outcome, and they see all the fun. You know, you're on the runway. You're, you know, you're, you're hobnobbing you know, with all these different fashion designers, and then you're, you're, <laughs> yes, you're, you're, exactly, you're traveling from exactly. city to city. And, or, you know. People think it's the best thing. Like, people don't understand the struggles. It's funny. I travel with a... Uh, companion all the time. His name is Aton Braham. And we will be like going from meeting to meeting in cars and I would like like fall asleep and be knocked out and he'll take a picture of me while I'm sleeping and he'll be like, this is what the real fashion trip looks like. Because you're so mm-hmm. exhausted. You know, people see you in Paris and in Japan and they're mm-hmm. like, it's cool, which it is. I always remind myself like I can't complain because this is an opportunity that not too many people get, Right. So you have to, you like teeter on what to say and what not to say. I don't want to complain too much because it's an amazing opportunity, but it is exhausting and it is a lot of work. Well, people need to see both sides. I agree with you. People need to see both sides. Exactly. Uh, and and that comes to around with entrepreneurship. But I'm sure we're going to talk about that as well because people think that's yes. a glamorous <laughs> being in being an entrepreneur, which I do not understand why people think that way because it's not. <laughs> that's another world. We'll talk yeah. about that. Um, so I've, I've I've got a question, Sharifa, because it's I think it's really cool to see that you you know you started off and you worked with someone, they became your mentor, mm-hmm. and now you actually are in business with them. Can you talk about how that yes. relationship grew and? How you built that trust to become a business owner with the individual? I mean, it's 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 really interesting. I was working in a retail store. It was called Atrium. He owned the store. His Sam Ben Abraham owned the store. And basically, we he came to me one day and was like, "We always make a joke, actually, that anyone that worked there worked there twice." So like, I had left. I went to college. I worked at Louis Vuitton in between, and then I went back. And when he called me back, he was just like, "Listen, I want you to do." Um, be a manager. And I was like, well, I just left Louis Vuitton and I was building their whole customer service department and I was doing all these things for them. I don't know if I just want to do that. He was like, trust me, I will find something for you to do. And at that time, I was like, I guess so. You know, I could have either stayed at Louis Vuitton um, spending all my money and buying bags or I could have put my trust into someone that, you know, I've worked with for years that I kind of, I trusted. And he then said to me, I'm starting this new show and it's called Project. 
And I was like, what's Project? And he was like, it's a trade show. And I didn't know. I went to school for fashion, merchandising, and buying. So trade show was never even brought up in that whole <laughs> conversation. And he was just like, call these people and tell them I want them to do my show. And I was like, they're not going to listen to me. I'm a young 23-year-old girl. No, they're not going to listen. He was like, just call them. And what was best about the experience is that he wasn't a micromanager. He basically trusted in me. Like, he believed in me more than I probably believed in myself at, back then because he trusted that I just knew. And when I made mistakes, he didn't get upset. He didn't fire me. He was like, okay, let's just do, do it another way. Like, he was that kind of person. So once we um, sold Project, um, you know, he came back to me and was like, let's start a trade show. And this is 10 years later. I was like, oh, no, not another trade show. And then I kind of, he was like, listen, we're going to partner on this. And you're going to be my partner. And then I thought to myself, listen, I could be a young African-American girl from Brooklyn that's just working for people, or I could be a young African-American woman that is owning a company. Mm. And that's how I made the decision. He was like, I would never do it without you. And whenever he, when he said those words to me, it really just made me feel like, listen, I am about something. And I mean, I mean something to this person, you know? So it just kind of gave me that boost to kind of push my way through. Yeah, it's, it's, so, it's so important to have allies no matter what you do. So it's awesome to hear oh, that yeah. not only did you guys enjoy working together, but he was willing to, what I would say, is sponsor you and probably teach you as you as you moved along yeah. in your career. But it yeah, also sounds like definitely. he respected what you were bringing to the table, knowing that you had yeah. a different eye than he did. And so that partnership yeah. really worked. Can you talk, give us an example of when you guys, like one of the best stories you have about success together, something that's very memorable. Oh, man. Okay, so when we first started Liberty, you have to understand the trade show market is very competitive. So we kind of basically built a trade show, our first trade show, sold it, and we were going up against our first trade show. So we are going, we're going, we're competing with something that we started already. So it was really, really difficult. What was the best feeling was that a lot of the brands that basically supported me in the first trade show was like, wherever you go, we're going. And we were able to build this trade show with more brands, with just more hype, more buzz than we were with the first one. And it, it was just such an incredible feeling. It was like glory day because, like, you know, it, it was supposed to be a hard struggle. And it was a hard struggle, struggle working on the process. But at the end of it was an amazing result. We got all the brands that we wanted to. So that was like one big, big, like, game changer for both of us that we were both proud of, that we had. Like, even I was proud of it because those people said, I'm going to take a chance on you. So not only did Sam say that 10 years ago, I had another 150 people say that to me 10 years later. You know? So it was just a really good feeling. Like, they were like, we're going to trust in you. We're going wherever you go. And that was it. How old were you when he brought you on board as a, a, a co-founder? Um, I was, okay, so 22, 30, 32. Wow, you were very young. That is, that's great. Yeah. That is great. And when did you sell it? We sold, well, we sold Project when I was, I started Project when I was 23 years old. Okay. And we sold it within like a four-year span. So when I turned 27, 28, and then we had, of course, non-compete. So we had to get through that little thing. And then we started mm. Liberty. Um, right. I know that I worked at Project for 10 years because it was like the, the starting date and the ending date was the same. Okay. Yeah. 
So let's talk a little bit more about the industry and what you've experienced over the years. What fashion companies have you seen grow from high six figures to seven figures and beyond? Oh, my God. I've seen so many fashion companies grow. I remember um, AG Jeans. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with it, but AG Denim. Like, I remember them being a smaller company, and now they're huge. I remember Scotch and Soda being first coming to the States. And now they're huge. I remember when G-Star first arrived to the States, and now they're a huge brand. Like, I can walk you through many of brands that I've, like, traveled the world to find and scoured every inch of Europe, Paris, Milan, Mm. Japan to kind of find to bring them over here. Um, One which is really particular for me, and it's funny, a friend of mine just sent me a picture of it. There's a guy in in Japan called Pogi, and he's phenomenal. He um, was a buyer for one of um He was a buyer for an amazing store out in Japan called United Arrows. But he also was basically like their creative director. And I remember sitting with him one time, and I was like, "Listen, I want you to come to the states, and let's just and it's at a dinner. This is like a simple dinner." And I was like, "Let's do Pogi's World at our show." And he was like, "Ah, Pogi's World," and it came to fruition. We made this huge install, and we had him do collaborations with all his collaborations with different brands. And now he's in Paris showing this week, and he has a whole collection. And Mm. just to see that growth in him, I'm, like, super proud because we went out there and we found him. And we, you know, even in Japan he was hot, but when he came to the States, now he's, like, even bigger. So that's just, like, the things that I'm very excited about and proud of when I work on these projects. So, Sharika, I want to ask, because your story is amazing, but it doesn't sound like it it is what – happens right, right. it's yeah. it no I no mean, it does not so it's very unique it's very <laughs> unique and it i mean i'm just sitting here like mouth wide open that is so awesome that you've been able to have so many different experiences and have so many people supporting you along the way and believing in your vision and you having the the confidence just to say i'm gonna i'm gonna go in i'm gonna try it i'm gonna figure this out um, but I want to mm-hmm. ask you for folks that are looking to enter the industry, what what barriers mm-hmm. do you think there are, true barriers to entry into the fashion industry? It depends on the folks. I'm going to be honest with you. Nowadays, it's all about who you know. Mm-hmm. It's really sad just because you see a lot of people, and I don't ever tell kids not to go to school, but what happens within the fashion industry is it's all about who you know. So it's about making those connections. You ever met someone that went to college their whole, like, let's just say, they went to high school and straight from high school they went to college, and as soon as you went to college, you're looking for a job after you graduate, and they're like, okay, what kind of experience do you have? But you're like, no, 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 I went to college for four years. That was my experience. And they're like, no, no, no. Now you need to really get an internship. Mm -hmm. So these kids are not being told what to do correctly. Like, if you're a doctor or a lawyer, go to school up the wazoo. I am a full believer in that. So if you're trying to enter into the fashion industry, I would say while you're in school, you need to really focus on an internship. And I think all colleges need to make it mandatory. Some colleges currently do have it as a mandatory thing, but I think all colleges need to have a mandatory internship. So when kids graduate, they can say, I worked at Blah, I interned at Blah, like, so that they have some sort of experience. Because these kids come out of school with like so much energy and so much passion, and they kind of get turned off or let down because they're not able to get jobs because guess what? John's mom knows someone at the company and they somehow got the job before you. And it doesn't matter how much education you have. They're looking at, oh, so John, his, his mom is connected with 
Bill, whoever is in, in finance. Like, it's always something like that. And I see it happen all the time. So one thing I would say to a lot of um, young people is, like, find whatever you want to do, or even if you think you want to do it, and intern. And, they, and even if you intern, like, at a younger age, you can at least prepare yourself for what you think it's going to be. A lot of people, I have a lot of friends that did fashion before, and now they're in finance. They just didn't have any interest in it, right? So you go to school for fashion, but now you're in a whole other realm of what you didn't want to do before. It's, it's so interesting. I think that they're not educating kids the right way. I think that they're not preparing kids the right way, to be honest. Right. So I think for the that- real world. And I think that's such a good point to say that the industry is so much based on relationships. And I would venture to say that it's not just in fashion, but most industries. Yeah, that's how I was talking mm-hmm. and, I, and so I want to make a distinction between um, young folks that are just starting out and, and uh, yeah. getting internships versus and some of the folks that we have on our show who might be mm-hmm. more, more seasoned professionals that are leaving corporate jobs or other jobs and trying to transition mm-hmm. into their passion, which is fashion. And so what, what advice do you give someone who's trying to transition in that may not, that might, you know, may not fit so, the, the mold this is what of I an would intern? Say. No, understood. Mm-hmm. I would say first, don't ever leave your real job until you find your, your passion project. You know, that's the first advice. I don't ever advise someone to leave their job and then be like, yeah, I'm going hard for this. Because sometimes it doesn't work out like what you expect. What I would suggest they do is if they're of age, go to events, find things within the The category, if it's fashion, if it's um, culinary, whatever the case may be, have them start going out to different events where they can meet other people. It's so important because once you meet certain people and do research, like I love LinkedIn. LinkedIn will tell you all your friends, who they connected with. Like if you wanted to work for, let's just say Tesla, if I go on LinkedIn and I type in Tesla and one of my friends work or the third party friend works for Tesla, at least you know who you need to start connecting with. I think it's more important for them to do the research on what they want to do, and I think it's about going out and just putting that first effort into, like, introducing yourself. And be shameless. I don't think you need to be... Before, it was like, well, I don't want to ask so-and-so because I don't want them to think. Who cares what they think? You need to just be you and be... If you know the, if you have the smarts and the tools to do what you think you need to do, I would say go out there and get it, and that's it. You know, and I want to add a little bit to that. I really feel as if that the millennials, um, mm-hmm. they, they are, th- I think they're shameless. I think they will get out there and oh. they'll do it. They don't care 100%. how much experience they have. Whereas, you know, during my, I'm a Gen Xer, so I'll say it out loud. I am okay. a Gen Xer. So we weren't taught that way. We were like, you need yeah. to go out there. You got to, you know do your training and find a mentor. Mm-hmm. You know, you had all these steps that you had to follow. And I look at these, yeah. these millennials and they are like trailblazing. They are like, you know, not making any excuses. They're like, no, we're not going the traditional route. And um, what do you think about some of those type of people who are trying to in- enter the industry? Are, are you looking at them like, okay, you're a little too aggressive. You need to wait and pull back. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, are those the people who are gonna perhaps make it? They somehow make it. I'm not, it sounds crazy, yeah. but I, I, we, I have a, a, a whole office full of millennials, and the more aggressive ones, you ever heard like closed mouths never get fed? Right. Mm-hmm. That is what. That is exactly what the term is. Like, yes, I, we, of course, because we're older, are looking at them like, okay, you need to calm down. But at the end, end of the day, they're getting their point across, and 
they're putting themselves on the line. It's, it's either it's either you could say no or you could say yes. Mm-hmm. And that's how I feel about it. And I, I, in the beginning, I used to be like, okay, this is a little much. But then you have to respect it. As right. long as they, as long as they prove themselves. I don't like people to come and be like, well, I need this job because da 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 da. I need you to prove. Now, if you come to me and you're working hard and I see it, and then you're like, I need this job, and they and you'll be like, but you've only been working here for a month, <laughs> you know, because um, <laughs> that does happen. But if I see them proving themselves, I'm like, you know what, you're right, and I give it to you for even asking me about it, right? But we were taught, like you said, to just be quiet, wait, wait. Your time wait. will come. The waiting game is <laughs> your time will come. It is not that way anymore. Right. That's why social media and the people on social media, like, these people are shameless. Shameless. They, they don't care. Mm-hmm. And and you have to give it to them because no matter how much we'll sit there and be like, oh, they, they're doing this, they're doing that. Sometimes think the person that's saying that wish they were in that position. Right, right. You know? So it's like, it, it, you. I, I'm going to say to the millennials, go for it. And I think it's phenomenal that they go for it. I think so, too. You know? Yep. Living life, yeah. living life unfiltered. That's what we say. Unfiltered. I love that. Yes. Living life unfiltered. I'll use that one. <laughs> so you, you mentioned your team. So we're talking about relationships. We're talking about finding people that, you know, have what it takes and that you get along with to build your team. So we've had a lot of companies yeah. come on our show and ask for advice around building and sustaining their team. So what, what advice would you give founders that are listening how do they grow a team from, let's say, less than a dozen to several dozen people? So what I would say is listen to the millennial. Listen to them. They have something to say. Mm. I would say, so all of the, it's so interesting. My entire team, the majority of them were interns. I hire within. I get the best intern that I get for the year, and I've made her my assistant. I get the next best intern, and I made him, once they go through the process with us, of course, and we make them reach relations. I have interns here that now manage my whole marketing department. Mm. Like, you have to listen to the, the younger generation. Because at the end of the day, what we're, whatever you're doing, you're not catering towards you. You're catering towards them, right? I always say that we, we, we are clothing. Everything that's happening within fashion right now is not geared towards, like, a 40-year-old woman or man, mm. but we're dressing like them. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah. so why would we not listen to them? They have a lot to say. They have a lot of insight. We sometimes are stuck in our old, in our mentalities, our older, you know, perceptions of what we, what we used to do or what it was. There's no longer that. So what I would say to companies is, like, listen to the, listen to those, not all of them, because some of them are, like, Craze, but listen to who is the smartest person on your team. Like, listen to them, bring them up, also help them. You have to train them. You take them under your wing. That's what I do. I have my in- my assistant now. She sits in my office with me. She hears how I speak. She hears how I talk to clients. She hears what, what, what kind of deals I make. She's now able to be me. She's now able to be a little me. You have to train these kids. If you believe in someone, train them. And and take them, bring them up with you. That my entire company is based off of that, that model. If you believe in someone, train them. Train them. That that I, yes. I love that. I love that. I love that. So so let's talk a little bit more about the fashion industry. So you say it's driven yeah. by millennials. It's changing, and mm-hmm. I, I smile yeah. because mm-hmm. I have you know an eleven and ten year old and. 
my daughter, my daughter is now able to fit my clothes. <laughs> and so it's, it's interesting when we go shopping because she will say, well, mommy, if you buy that, I'll wear it. And I actually think twice about what I buy because I can pass it down. Uh-huh. I never thought I would do that. And I never thought I would admit that on air, but that's, that's where we are. But talk about some yeah. of the companies, some of the trends that you're seeing in fashion right now. Oh my God, of course. So <laughs> my partner, Sam, um, Actually, when Atrium was open, Atrium was like the hottest store in New York. Mm-hmm. He now has a spinoff company, which he owns with another guy. It's called Kiss. And Kiss is all the wave in New York. I can tell you that right now. Kiss is amazing, um, an amazing retail shop. But his the guy that's behind it is a marketing genius. And he basically, you know, knows how to market to the youth culture. That's it. He knows how to get to them. They respect everything he says. They respect everything he, he wears. He knows how to do collaborations. He know, like he knows the exact target. He has targeted those kids, and they follow everything. That's I can tell you is the way for millennials. Um, for adults, I think that we're we're in a spot where we're trying to basically keep up with the kids, right? So in New York, it's different from D.C. or it's different from Maryland. Let's just say. I could only speak for right now what's happening in New York. And matter of fact, I'm lying to you. I can speak from what's happening all over the world because I've been and I've seen. If the kids are all wearing fanny packs, the adults are wearing fanny packs. I agree. And they're not wearing it as fanny packs. They're wearing it over their chest. I've seen fanny packs in all kinds of flavors. Like, it, it, it is what it is. All we do is follow what millennials are doing right now. The, the, Sorry. The fa- or, the, go ahead. Huh? I was going to say the fanny pack is hilarious because oh. I, I actually had a, a friend who's a business owner text me one day and send me her logo on a fanny mm-hmm. pack. And she said, what do you think about putting this on a fanny pack? And I said, are you serious? You know, for me, fanny packs are so old. But then she wrote yeah. back. She was like, you need to get on top of it. Fanny packs are making a comeback. And that was probably oh about six months ago. And I've seen them well, everywhere. <laughs> no, that's what it was. Like I went to Paris last year. I promise you. Every man, woman, child, and dog had a fanny pack, and it was across their chest. It was around their waist. Everyone has a new way of wearing the the fanny pack. I was just like, okay, I've had enough of the fanny pack. I've seen fanny packs from Kmart to Balenciaga. I've seen fanny packs from Louis Vuitton to Fendi. It was just, it's the craze. It's what they were doing. And here goes the other thing. Right now, the timing that we're in is a good time. It's all about the 90s. So the, everything that you see coming back out is what happened in the 90s. So it's just time repeating itself. That's what fashion is about right now. So being a Francophile myself, <laughs> now you're telling me that fanny packs are back. I have to go back to Paris so I can see this and witness this. I, I, I can't oh believe my God. it. <laughs> if you Google Paris Fashion Week last, last year in uh, the summer, you would see it all. I promise you. Wow. I will definitely mm-hmm. Google that. So, you know, yep. you, you kind of touched on my next questions. Um, mm-hmm. uh, what are your thoughts you have about the, how, 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 how promotion and branding changes? And you, you talked about the fanny packs are making a comeback. You talked about the 90s is making a comeback. You mentioned the gentleman in New York, uh, the founder who is a marketing genius. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts do you have about the promotion and branding changes? Um, you know, marketing to millennials. I mean, how do you feel about that? I actually like it. I think that it's different. So when we were growing up, we had magazines. Right. Mm-hmm. We look through magazines. We'll take out pictures. 
and I was having a conversation about this with someone like there is no more of that like even when you go to the airport you would have bought a magazine and you would have read it on the airport and on the airplane I'm sorry and then tear out the pages of what you like and you may kept it I think now it's like you have your iPhone you have your iPad and the way that these millennials are getting marketed to is more of an experiential level like they want more of an experience so it's no longer the day that you can just put clothes on a runway and people are going to buy it you have to give them the experience kids like to know that they could be part of something mm-hmm. you understand so for instance if i come out with a clothing line and i'm wearing this clothing line this said clothing line with let's just say and this is a hypothetical with like Beyonce and so and so I just, the, the, the kid looking at me on the outside is just seeing me with those people. And they want to know, how, how can I be part of that? Mm-hmm. So that's how they shop. They want to be part of an experience. Everything that you do nowadays has to have some sort of experience attached to it. And that's how you market to that generation. Mm-hmm. It's not easy. And they're very smart. They're more, they know what's fake. They know what's real. They know, it's, it's so funny. They, they understand it. So you can't no longer pull the wool over their eyes and say, this is the most amazing blah, blah, blah. They don't care about that. They're doing their own research. They want to know what's eco-friendly. Some, it depends on the child, the millennial you're talking to. Some kids don't wear vegan leather. It's, it's, they're more educated and they're more savvy and than, than we were growing up, to be honest with you. So, so with that, so eco-friendly, organic material, are there, are there mm-hmm. certain things that companies or anyone entering the fashion industry should think about as they put their product together that are just things that you have to have? They should think about how to preserve. So for instance, if I'm not mistaken, if it's Levi's, Levi's uses the same water over and over again for their denim. They have to find a way to, they're more, you have to be more conscious of things, right? So if anyone's coming out with this line, you know, a lot of people are making them in America, right? Because they want to have American workers. They, it's all different ways to be more um, conscious and savvy about how you make clothes. It's about how you choose to make it. What are, so we, we were talking earlier before we got on air just about the, the mm-hmm. Nike release of the, their new smart sneaker. So we talked about mm-hmm. the infusion of tech and fashion, which I absolutely love, especially when yes. there's, a, it's, there's a purpose for it. Right. So there are a few um, companies that have, you know, they check your blood pressure. They, you Uh know, they do some things that that actually help you. And so this Nike sneaker will I mean, it does. It sounds like it does everything. But we're talking about the price point. And you mentioned the fact of Mm -hmm. just from a cultural perspective that people would be willing to pay that. So can you talk a little bit more about the impact of technology on fashion and again, kind of on that 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 string of of culture impact, cultural impact? So. Think about this. I'm going to say to you like this. Do you guys go to the gym? Yes. At all? Yes. Doesn't it drive you? Think about, do you have like a Fitbit or anything like that? Mm-hmm. Yes. Or do you look at how many steps? We normally look at how many steps we take a day, how many blah, blah, blah. This shoe and this technology is now able to track all that. I would stand on the line at this point to get those sneakers because that would push me you to know work what? out I might harder. get them now, too. And I know I said earlier, I said, no, no, I'm going to pay $400,000, but now I may, may change my mind. <laughs> you understand, though, right? It right. Pushes you. 
You think about how you feel when you know you've walked your 10,000 steps a mm -hmm. day or whatever the case may be. Now you're racing with your own self. That's what this whole thing is about. It's about you competing with yourself and making yourself. I think it's a great idea on Nike's part. They're thinking about kids being more healthy and doing it subliminally. You understand? Kids can see what they're doing. And that's what they like. I absolutely love it because um, I, I'm a former runner. Only was I say former because I hurt myself running, and um, mm -hmm. I'm always competing with myself. Because people are like, "Why are you running all these marathons?" Because I, I ran, I've run, I uh, ran three marathons. I was training for oh my, my fourth God. one God bless you. when I fell. Yeah, and they're like, "What is wrong with you? Why?" But you're right. You're competing with yourself and. That is a very yeah. smart and clever way that Nike is doing, you know. Yeah, but they're also looking at it, and I honestly believe it's about getting the kids back out there. It's about getting them to work out. It's, it, it's all something inside of it. Mm -hmm. It's not just, oh, wow, I have technology in a sneaker. Mm -hmm. I think that what's happening within America is that, you know, kids are always on their phones. But right. then you can kind of now see how much are they walking, and it's just more statistics for them to be testing on something else. I think it's genius. Yeah, I, I think the, so, other, yes. the other part, and not just for kids, I, mean, I think this is a, a future vision for the shoe because it's laceless, right? So one, I think it's going to cultural change. Kids may not have to tie their tie shoes, the shoes anymore. That's anymore. a big thing when you're a parent. But when as an adult wearing shoes like that, so it actually, if you have high blood pressure and your feet swell yes. or they loosen, like it, that'll contract and um, decrease with the, with the swelling. So I think it's really, and it exactly. may end up sending a signal to a Fitbit or to a doctor and alert them. Mm -hmm. So I think the interesting part is that some, you know, we're looking at wearables as separate products, but when you start looking yeah. at IOT and the internet of things and interconnectivity, the, the possibilities mm -hmm. are amazing. So. It's amazing. And that's my point. Like this is just bigger than a sneaker that has technology. Like it can cure the world in a better way. Like I think about my grandmother. She's always like, Hey, can you get me some sneakers? Like this could be the sneaker I get her. Do you know what I mean? Because, it can track everything, yeah. and she—that's it. It can. I think it's going to be phenomenal, to be honest with you. So yeah, I think I think there's so many wearables that I love. Another one is a bracelet. Uh, I think it's by June, and it monitors. Um, the UV exposure, and so it, it'll alert you if you need to put on more sunscreen. And so I think no that's, way. I think that's cool. So any wearable that actually responds to you or, or alerts you to do something I think is great. Have you seen, as you're looking at new companies, are you excited about mm -hmm. any new wearables or any fashion tech products? It's funny. I haven't seen any, right now within the current space, I haven't physically seen any fashion tech. What I did see, which I was obsessed over, is a Japanese company. They have like this rain jacket. And you know, like when you know it, when it rains, you normally put your hood on, but the water still drips in your face. Mm -hmm. They have this trimming, some sort of technology trimming at it, so that when the water hits that, it flicks off. Mm. That I did see, and I was like, "Wow, that's kind of cool." But I haven't seen many I yet. I've got to look that up. Yeah, it was really cool. I can probably send you the name. You know, we as I mentioned earlier in the show that we've been getting. Um, uh, a few women, mostly women, who mm -hmm. are in fashion, but they also are, are, have created fa wearable products or fashion tech type of products. And mm -hmm. one of the problems they're having is people, investors, let me say this. I don't know why I'm just saying mm -hmm. people, but some investors don't understand the 
the fashion tech industry. I guess they can't, first of all, they gotta wrap their minds around the fashion industry and then the tech and then how the two come together. What, what, are, what, is, what, what is some advice you can give to those uh, founders who are trying to push these products out say, there? Yeah, they need to go to a different investor. Because first mm. off, you need to find someone that's gonna believe in you. Um, and I think that there's a whole entire, um, what is it called? Now I'm going to go blank because I'm on the phone with you guys. Um, there's a whole entire, not festival, but fair that goes on that's dedicated to tech, fashion, all of these different things. And I feel like the, those investors are the ones that believe in you. Those are the ones that understand it. Those are the ones that's thinking forward. I will have to say they need to kind of meet people that not the normal you're not going to look for the normal investor. You look for the investor that is thinking forward, the person that knows about technology, the person that understands it. And there's a whole group of people out there that um, basically do. Have, have you seen any fashion companies, or what fashion companies have you seen that have grown from you know, high six figures into seven figures and beyond? You, you mentioned kind of the marketing guru earlier. Have you seen mm -hmm. any companies, any fashion companies grow exponentially? Um, yeah, of course. Like you see, and it could be it could be a retail store even so. Did you not just see, um, what is the name of the sneaker store that just got bought? There's so many companies that's growing in those fast numbers now just because the way that they're doing business, right? So like, for instance, I'm an um, ambassador for Rent the Runway. If you know what Rent the Runway is, it's, basically a rental it used to be for you to rent prom dresses and beautiful mm, gowns right but now they have you can rent everyday clothing and i think that company is going to change the way women think and how they shop and that company has grown exponentially in the last five years um you have to look at the pattern like you don't no longer have to go shopping you know as females you go shopping for every single occasion. Mm -hmm. You no longer have to do that. They are giving you clothing for every single day. You can have a subscription-based company, that, like a subscription for them, and you can get endless clothes from them. And they're mailing it back and forth. They're making it convenient for you. Like, those are the company that are, companies that are thriving, in my mind. Yeah, Run the Runway has a store in Georgetown. Um, here in Washington, yeah. D.C., they actually have a storefront. And I know mm -hmm. a lot of my friends who go through there to, you know, the last minute to, you know, to rent a dress, you know, because they, yeah. they they didn't have time to look for a dress and um, didn't have enough time to put in, you know, to rent the, run, rent the runway. I need a dress and they'll go through there. So uh, that's good to know they mm -hmm. are also allowing you to rent everyday clothes. That, that's Oh, my God. It's amazing. They have a subscription base. Like I said, I live by it. I think it's the best thing because... Of course, now with social media, no one wants to get caught in the same outfit. Mm -hmm. Right? <laughs> Tell me about pictures, it. You're doing these things. And they have a subscription base uh, where you can rent like three to four pieces, and they'll give you three to four pieces, and then you return and you get more, and you return and you get more. So it's like, why even start shopping again? It's the craziest thing, but it's amazing. I, I heard a, a pitch, a, a young lady did a pitch a few months ago, and I thought this was one mm -hmm. of the, the coolest ideas. So her mm -hmm. idea was, as you're walking by and you see someone in an outfit that you like, you can snap a picture of that outfit, mm -hmm. send the person mm -hmm. a note to say that I like your outfit, and then that person, that individual, can actually rent their outfit out to you. So it's instead of it oh, being yes. a store, now it's at the individual mm -hmm. level where you can actually rent your clothes to folks who like your yes. look. 
And I thought yeah. that was genius. No. That is genius. I mean, I feel like I do that with my friends now. <laughs> <laughs> like, you, but are you charging them? And what is your markup? No, no I'm, I'm not charging. <laughs> I'm, I'm just swapping. <laughs> and for, wait, let me go back to something. What I was saying about the tech, um, it's called Afrotech. I feel like Afrotech, if you're into that, they they have a whole thing in Oakland that they do, and it's huge. It's becoming I know very, who they very popular. Are. Yes, yes, yes. You should. That's where I would instruct people that are into finding investors and VC people to basically go, because that's where they all are. Because those people believe in technology. Mm-hmm. There's certain people that still are stuck, right? And they're like, no, it's not going to be anything. I was just watch- watching a documentary on Netflix recently, and it was called The 90s. And it was like, it was funny. When you watch the documentary, they were like, basically, when the internet first came out, who who cares? No one's going to think this is going to last, right? So it's like you still have those kind of people that are like, oh, this is going to go away. Mm-hmm. But it really isn't. So... That's where I would suggest people go. Um, so we've been talking about a lot of really good things. One question I have for you is, you know, there are some people that start out and they actually don't do so well in, in the industry. So I, I'm wondering if you have any examples of, of people who have started out in the fashion industry and they may have had mm-hmm. good products, but they didn't do well. Um, and then what are some common mistakes that you've seen people make and how can our founders listening avoid those mistakes? Mm-hmm. So one thing I would want to say is within the fashion space, I think a lot of people, I see a lot of people start clothing lines, but they started with like a small thought process. Like I'm just going to do a t-shirt or I'm going to just do this. People need to understand that the smaller the, the line is, it's more hard to sell to someone. And also people also need to understand you have to make sure you have a strategy behind it. I think a lot of people go into the industry thinking, okay, if I have, if I make 20 t-shirts and I sell those 20 t-shirts, I'm going to then get the money from that and sell and and make 20 more t-shirts. You have to make sure you have enough financials for two, three seasons to be able to start a line because people want to see consistency. And I think that that's probably the biggest thing I would tell people to be is very much more prepared and understand what they're going into. And and then a question I have, because I, on every show I have to ask about partnerships. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. what, as people are building their businesses, what, especially mm-hmm. fashion in the fashion area, what new partnerships or connections in the industry should founders consider as they're entering and or scaling? What new partnerships? Mm-hmm. I think that they need to look at, it depends on the actual individual because each partnership is different. I think sky's the limit. Like no longer is there any barriers, right? So for instance, the guy in New York, he does collaborations with, I mean, the most, he does a Coca-Cola collaboration. There is no more, you know, you need to stay in your lane. You need to do that. I think that, we, like I said, we're living in the best time. I always say this, we're living in the best time. You can make up anything you want. And as long as there's a consumer out there that's going to buy it, you're golden. So I, I, don't, I don't think that there is a particular partnership. I think that you can make up whatever you want. And as long as you know that it's going to, if you feel in your gut that this is what the consumer is going to want, like, go for it. You know, you're, you're taking me to Jen Cicero, and I don't know if you're familiar with her. She is the author of the 
I hope I can say this on air. Uh, they'll, they'll beep it out. You are a badass series. I don't know if yeah. you're familiar. And so last week I was in the studio um, at uh, WSA 9 with Amanda Miller, Little John. She has a book out. And Jen mm -hmm. walked in and I was like, wait a minute, who's, wait a minute. And then everyone like started whispering. And mm -hmm. I was like, that's Jen Cicero. She, I mean, because she, she, this book has changed my life. And basically she's saying mm -hmm. every single thing you just said. Yeah. You have to forget about all the rules and you need mm -hmm. to step out of break the bounds them. and break through because that's the yeah. only way you're going to make it. And this woman wrote this book in her 40s. She's now in her 50s. So she wrote this yeah. book as a 40-year-old woman, plus something woman, and now mm -hmm. she's in her 50s. And, I, and I, I'm just amazed how she had the ins, uh, foresight to see this coming and she, she finally just mm -hmm. said, you know what, you know, I can do whatever I want to do. And so can you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm glad you're saying mm -hmm. this because it really reinforces what um, you're, you know, what you're saying that, you know, what millennials are doing. You know, they like, we yeah. don't care about the rules. We don't have to follow this protocol. Who says it's always right? So, yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. So no, I'm it's, 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 I always, I swear to you, I tell all of my friends, like, you need to understand we live in the best time. Mm. it's the best time right now and if we don't understand that that means we don't have any sort of motivation to do anything mm -hmm. you can do whatever you want you see people making up jobs now I know. <laughs> like, <laughs> like what do you do i do it, it what i want it sounds funny <laughs> but sometimes you're like wait what's your title again right. like when, whenever someone tells me i'm just like okay you know like you just got to go with it mm -hmm. and you got to free you got to be free in your mind and you have to never what we tend to do is we um, always like perceive something to be different. I think my one lesson I would always tell people is always think with positive intent. Mm -hmm. Anytime someone does something or says something, you always have to think positively. So even if you don't think that that job is really the job, think positive about it. And mm -hmm. it somehow works out in the end. I think, I think that's a great point. You know, we live in the best time and just be free in your mm -hmm. mind. So it's mm -hmm. all about a mindset yeah. change. Um, one of the things yeah. that we were talking about also before we got on air was just about uh, helping each other as we grow in, oh. in business, in the industry, yeah. especially helping the younger generation, particularly women, particularly people mm -hmm. of color. And so can you talk a little bit about what you've done, uh, you know, internationally, what you're doing locally, and your passion just around making sure we're helping people? I am a firm believer that someone gave me a chance. Sam gave me a chance years ago, and he, he literally gave me an opportunity that I would have never gotten, right? So why can I not help anybody that is interested? I um, have started a uh, program uh, a couple years ago called the Brooklyn Intern. And basically it was about this young girl. Her name was Malika Jonas. We're still very close. She was my first intern. And how she became my first intern was, like, I'm a, a creature of habit, so I do the same thing on Saturday morning. I go get my hair done. If you ever want to kill me, that's where I'll be. Like, that's <laughs> how my life is. <laughs> that's, where, that's how my life is. I have and friends she like came you to me in, one in day, Detroit. It's 7 o'clock in the... Well, well, I'm sorry? I said I have friends like you in Detroit. Yeah, you, you can't oh, mess yeah. with them on no, Saturdays. <laughs> no, that's me. That is me all day long. So she came to me one Saturday morning, and she bought me a cup of hot cocoa. And I was like, what is this for? And she goes, well, Yasmin, Yasmin's the girl that's been doing my hair since I'm probably 16 years old. She said, if you ever want to work for someone, 
um, you bring them coffee. But I heard you don't drink coffee, so I bought you hot chocolate. And I was kind of blown away. This is like a high school little girl. Like, And I was like, okay, so what do you want? She goes, I know you're in the fashion industry, and I don't know what I want to do, but I know I want to be in fashion. And I was like, no problem. I ended up giving her an internship. She ended up becoming like my assistant all throughout the years of her in high school because she did her senior and sophomore, um, her senior and junior year with me. Um, we ended up sending her off to college. And that made me want to instill in her. She was a young girl from Brooklyn, just like I was. She just needed an opportunity. And it was important for me to be able to give her that opportunity. And it just continued. I kept meeting other little girls and other little boys. And I just felt like there was, there was something missing. Like, we need to start taking care of each other. If we can't take, care, can't take care of each other, who is? And I just also remember working with Sam and him being so open. People will come from all over and say, hey, can I get a job? Can I get a And he would help them. So he always made me believe that you always need to help. You have to give back. And that's just something I've always been, you know, I've been very proud of because I, I, you have to give back. It was important. Yeah, I think that I think that's amazing. I love that story. And, you know, I think when you as you mentioned, when you help others, they tend to end up helping others. And so mm-hmm. it's a trickle down effect and it never it just it never gets old. Um, you've done work mm-hmm. also outside of the, the country. Are there any any um, yes. stories that you want to share from that experience? Oh, my God. Yes. So I had my girlfriend, um, Nana, she owns a um, nonprofit called um, Africa Health Now. And, you know, you normally tag on to these different um, nonprofits just to say, hey, I'm doing something. And I remember saying I need to go to Ghana because it's all based in Ghana. I need to know what it's about. Um, she basically gives, I, and I never even knew this because, God, you know, I don't, I'm sorry that I don't pay attention as much. But she she gives women um, that are having babies boxes. Once they get out the hospital, they have like a, a package. You know, in the States, we get that automatically. We get sanitary napkins. We get the things for free. They don't. So I went to Ghana with her the first time ever in life, my first time ever in life. And um, it's about building up this hospital for these women that are getting pregnant. And when I went, it was a phenomenal experience. My first thing as we landed, we went over to the hospital because we were painting and doing the things that we needed to do. This woman was having a baby in a taxi. Mm-hmm. And we literally watched her have a baby in a taxi, get up. Now, mind you, in the States, we have epidural. We have all the, <laughs> the bells and whistles here. They don't have any of that. She had the baby in the taxi. She walked into the hospital, and then they need to exit within a 12-hour period because they don't have enough beds to get all the women in the hospital. That's how small it was. And that just showed me, and it made me really, really even appreciate this nonprofit more and made me fight for it more because it it just wowed me. Like, you, we would have never. Here in the States, we're like, oh, no, no, no. They don't have a bed. Like, it was just like, and the woman was just so happy, and she was just happy living her life, and, you know, it just made me pour into it more. So that was my experience when I went to Ghana, and it was, like, very impactful. Wow. Mm. I love that. So, Sharifa, thank you so much for being being on the show today, and I think as we wrap up, one of the things I want to ask you is, so you've worked with some of the most prestigious brands, as Zena mentioned earlier, um, mm-hmm. And we talked about a little bit about how the industry is changing and about how we live yeah. in the best times and really 
you know, people should go for it. Um, and as long yeah. as there's a consumer out there, someone will buy it. So people just need to be creative and use those influencers yeah. and push on. But I want to ask you, there's a lot that's changing, but what stays, mm-hmm. is anything staying the same? And what advice were you given that is relevant for founders listening today? Um, a lot is changing, but I think that a lot is also repeating itself. Mm-hmm. So things will stay the same. But one thing I would tell you, and I tell every single person, whatever it is you do, set your tone. I always say set your tone because it's going to make you happy. At the end of the day, we can be founders of companies. We can be amazing parents. But if we don't set our tone and we don't, we don't really put out there what we think is best for ourselves, it's not worth it. I always tell founders, set your tone, and that's in work, that's at home, that's in whatever you do. That's the only advice I would ever give someone. Make sure you are happy and you're healthy and it's your way, and that's it. I love it. Wow. I can go on and on with this conversation <laughs> and go in so many different rations. Um, you know, talk about fashion, talk about the millennials, we're talking about set your own tone while at the same time, yes. you know, you know, be a badass. I know Rodney is going to cut that out. It's okay, Zena, it's okay to say it. It is okay. Okay. But, um, you know, where can we find you? Um, you know, because I'm sure we're going to have listeners out there who are going yeah. to be racing to find you on social media and online. So um, where can we I'm, find you? I'm at Sharifa Says um, on social media, on Instagram. Sharifa, S-H-A-R-I-F-A, Says, S-A-Y-S. Um, that's probably the best place. DM me, text me, or email me through social media. I will definitely reply. And if there's any interns out there looking for jobs, always contact me. If I can't find you something, I'll help you find something. I'm very much open to that. What, what is the, we have to start helping each other. So I, I love that. And if someone wants to intern, what do they need to send you? A resume? Um, or anything resume, you're looking at? Okay. Their resume. It's important to send the resume and just say, listen, I heard you on blah, blah, blah. Or I followed you on Instagram or whatever the case may be. I will definitely get back to you. And what skills do you look for in an intern? So on their resume, what, what are skills that stand out to you? Um, I honestly don't, I'm not even going to lie to you. I read through it, but I always want to meet every single person. Okay. Hmm. There's not a specific guy. Like I, I am more of a personal person, so I need to meet you face-to-face or even Skype with you, see how our conversation goes, mm-hmm. see how you vibe, and then I go from there. That's great. That is good. Well, once again, thank you for joining us today, and um, make sure to check us out on our website at giftfoundgiftfunded.com. Uh, please sign up for our newsletter um, and check us out on social media. We're on Instagram at giftfoundgiftfunded, Twitter at giftfound underscore funded, and Facebook under giftfoundgiftfunded. And of course, please listen each week and don't miss an episode. So today, we learned a lot. Um, first of all, we learned that we need to listen to millennials. They have a lot to say. Um, they are shameless. And they are willing to take chances. And it's OK for our 40, 50, 60, or 70-year-old selves to do it. And take a, take, a, uh, uh, take a look at them and get out there. It's okay. If you haven't opened up that social media account yet because you're worried about how things are going to appear, start that social media account. You know, live life unfiltered. And that's what the running theme has been throughout this entire show. And we got a lot of insight into, you know, the fashion industry, 
um, how to build a brand, a strong brand, how to take opportunities and build upon them. And most importantly, we yeah. have definitely learned how to set the tone. So if you yeah. did not get any of that, you need to listen to the show again because Sharifa really dropped some gems today. Thank you, my girl. Wow. This has been, this has yeah. been awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. It was amazing. Thank you, guys. Thank All right. you. All right. Take All right. care. All right.